and uh, we're talking about our authority in Christ, and uh, we're going to go a little bit further with that subject today. Luke chapter 9, verse 1, uh, Jesus then called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. So let's say this together. Power and authority over all demons and all disease. Amen. So actually there's only one devil and many demons. Uh, diseases are obviously a work of the devil. And we've been given power and authority over them. Uh, We've been given power and jurisdiction over all demons and over all the works of the devil, which includes sickness and disease and poverty and lack and everything else that comes under the curse. Now, a jurisdiction is a territory or a sphere of activity um, over which the legal authority or a court or institution extends. So, you know, a, a judge will have jurisdiction over a, a particular area or a territory. Well, our jurisdiction is the earth. Our jurisdiction is, is, is the earth in general. Now, we, we have authority, we have specific authority over our own family and, and where we live and our town and where we live and so forth. We don't have as much authority in other locations and, and other parts of the world as we do in our, in our own sphere. We still have authority on the earth, but uh, we have more authority in the location where we actually live. Now, in Luke chapter 10, we, uh, we uh, go to the next chapter, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. So now Jesus has given um, power and authority over an additional 70 disciples uh, after the original 12. Uh, and so uh, we know that this number multiplied again on the day of Pentecost. Uh, and where Jesus gave authority and, a, and a power to believers. And we know this number is continuing to expand today. Um, you know, there are Christians that believe that, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all ceased when the last apostles died and all this, but we know that's not true. We, we know that we, we have the same power today that uh, Jesus delegated to these uh, disciples then on the day of Pentecost we've received the same Holy Spirit that that was uh, came down upon those believers on the day of Pentecost we have received that very same power not only in us but upon us uh, and in verse 17 of Luke 10 the 70 disciples returned again uh, excited 
telling Jesus about how these devils and evil spirits were subject to them through his name, through the name of Jesus. And we notice that these disciples, they were not scared. They were not scared when they came up against these evil spirits that they encountered. As a matter of fact, when they returned to Jesus to give their report, they were excited to tell him that these, these demons and these evil spirits uh, were obedient to them. When they told them to go, they, they went, they left. When they told them to, to shut up, they shut up. So they, they were excited that these uh, evil spirits and demons were subject to them. They were obedient to them through the name of Jesus. Uh, there are Christians today that uh, don't know they have authority over uh, Satan and, and uh, evil spirits, or, or they've never been taught. They've just never been taught it, or they've never heard about it. Uh, or they're, they're in another group like the religious people of Jesus' day, the Sadducees, uh, who didn't believe in the spirit world. They didn't believe in angels or demons, uh, or, you know, in the, they didn't believe in the unseen world at all. Um, that's why you they're know, sad, you see. Yeah, that's why they're sad, you see. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there, there are Christians today that, you know, if they can't feel something or see it, they just don't believe in it. Uh, but John 4, 24 uh, says God is a spirit. Yes. And uh, there are numerous references in the Bible to angels and demons and obviously the Holy Spirit. So uh, there is an unseen realm that's very real. Jesus had to personally deal with the devil. Uh, when they came to arrest Jesus uh, before going to the cross, Jesus said, I could call down 12 legions of angels to rescue me. Well, obviously he knew they were real. You know? Yeah, obviously he knew they were real. Uh, so the devil and angels are not just part uh, of our imagination. They weren't part of Jesus' imagination. He dealt with the devil. He, the devil talked to Jesus. Jesus talked to the devil. So he, it was not part of his imagination. Um, uh, people have, you know, a lot of people have seen too many horror films and they have, uh, you know, they have this uh, picture in their mind about the devil uh, based on Hollywood, you know, and, and that he's some gigantic monster or something like that. Um, and obviously the devil wants to portray himself as, as a big, powerful, uh, overwhelming being, and, and that's not the case at all. In um, Isaiah 14, it says, uh, in the future, uh, we're going to see Satan for who he really is, and and people are going to look at him. In Isaiah 14, it says they're going to look at him and they're going to say, you mean that little thing deceived the nations? You mean that little thing is, is the one who gave me so much trouble in life? You know, he, he, that little thing caused all my problems. So he's not this overwhelming, gigantic monster that he 
uh, portrays himself to be. The word of God has already shown us the devil's future. In Revelation 20, it says a big angel with a chain is going to come down and grab him up by the neck and he's going to throw him in the bottom of his pit and lock him up for a thousand years. Um, so the word of God has already given us insight uh, about Satan. We know that uh, Jesus has already stripped him of his power and re reduced him to zero. Colossians 2.15 says, Jesus spoiled the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a show of them openly. Uh, the truth is, he's afraid of us. That's the, the real truth, is, is he's afraid of us. And uh, we just need to, to uh, remind ourselves of that, and that we're the ones with the, with the authority. We're the ones with the power over him, and he has no power over us. Uh, again, when these disciples returned to Jesus, um, they weren't scared of the evil spirits they had encountered. Uh, they told Jesus, you know, when we told them to leave, they left. When we told them to stop, they stopped. So um, they, were, they were excited and they were full of joy about this. So, uh, you know, as believers today, when Christians today hear about the devil and demons, it shouldn't scare them. It shouldn't scare them because um, Jesus has stripped Satan of all his authority and put, put uh, Satan under our feet. And, and we have authority over him. We're sons of God created in Christ Jesus, all powers and principalities under our feet are subject to us in the name of Jesus, just like, just like those believers uh, on the day of Pentecost, just like the uh, disciples that Jesus gave authority over. Verse 19 of Luke 10 says, in uh, Young's literal translation says, I give to you the authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and on all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you by any means. So serpents and scorpions here are symbolic of the devil. Now we've seen that in the King James Version there are two, um, two Greek words that are often translated power in the King James Version. One is um, dunamis which means uh, creative power. It really describes creative power, the might of God, explosive power. It's where we get the word uh, dynamite. The other word that's often translated power is the word exousia and it really should be translated authority because it means the right to do something, the authority to do something. It's not talking about might and ability, it's talking about the authority or the right to do something. And often uh, this, uh, this word is mistranslated power in the King James Version, but I think it's more accurate here in the New King James Version and in some of the other translations. Um, so the King James Version is not real consistent in the way it translates those two words. Uh, 
authority, for example, it would be like, um, say, if you're driving 60 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone, the police has the authority or the jurisdiction to stop you and to pull you over. And that their badge and their uniform gives them that authority to do that. And they're, they're backed up by the entire police force of the county or the city or the nation that uh, all that the entire structure of the police force backs them up and gives them the authority to do that. You've been in the police, Frank, you know how that, how that works. Um, now, if you're a, a big, strapping, strong police officer, uh, you not only have the authority to stop someone, you're strong enough, you got the physical power to stop them as well. And not only that, if you've got a gun strapped on your side, <laughs> you've got even more power. You've not only got authority to stop them, you've got power, an ability, physical power to stop them. Uh, so dealing with criminals and, and terrorists who have no regard for the, the law, it not only helps to have some authority, it also helps to have some power to go along with that authority in, in uh, restraining uh, criminals and restraining evil. And we have been authorized by Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. The uh, Common English Bible says, Don't provide an opportunity for the devil. Um, if the devil was this overpowering monster, you know, that he likes to portray himself as, then there wouldn't be any reason to tell people to give him no place or opportunity. He would just overpower people. You wouldn't have to give him place. If he was this big monster, uh, he would just overtake people, you know. Uh, he would just blow airplanes out of the sky if, if, he, if he could, you know. Um, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So the, Satan can't just come in um, and overpower us at his will. We have the authority and the power to stop him and to shut him down in our affairs. The uh, God's Word translation says, So place yourselves under God's authority. Resist the devil and he will run away from you. Now the... Uh, understood subject here is you. When you place yourself under God's authority, you're operating in His authority over the devil. We're not operating in our own authority, we're operating in God's authority, and that's why the devil has to run away. The voice translation says, He will run away in failure. Now, um, James 2, verse 19 says, The devils believe in only one God and tremble. Now, uh, demons only believe 
uh, and one god. Demons don't believe in many gods. There are world, world religions, you know, that have hundreds of gods and thousands of gods. Uh, various world religions, they don't believe in one God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, like we do. They believe they have many gods. There's a tree God, there's a rock God, there's a good luck God, there's a bad luck God, or whatever. You know, they have all these hundreds of gods. But the devil knows there is only one God. <laughs> Demons know there's only one God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they have run into him before, and they tremble. They have, they have run into Jesus before, and they know there's, he's the only one and true God. The Amplified Bible says, You believe that God is one. You do well to believe that. The demons also believe that and shudder and bristle in awe-filled terror. They have seen his wrath. So demons have run into God before. They've run into Jesus more than once. And every time they think about God, they tremble. <clears throat> so we need to be God-inside-minded. We need to be... Um, aware that, that the greater one is in us. And, and uh, God is not out in space 50,000 miles away somewhere. He's, he's in us, and we need to be God-inside-minded. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Resist steadfast in the faith. Um, I was uh, watching this uh, documentary uh, once, you know, this wildlife documentary, and they were showing how uh, out in Africa, how these, you know, lions uh, will attack a herd, you know, they'll they'll follow this herd of antelopes or whatever along, and they have a strategy for how they're going to how they're going to attack them and how they're going to catch catch them out. And the male has this vicious, the male lion has this vicious sounding roar, but but the male is not the one who who's devours or really attacks because the male is slower than the female. It's the females that uh, are faster than the male, and so they're the ones that are really um, uh, assigned in the pack to attack the herd. So what they do, they, the, the male goes out in front of the herd, and he'll get out in the tall grass somewhere where he can't be seen, and he'll let out this huge roar, this vicious sounding roar, and when the, the uh, herd of antelope hears it, they turn and run away from the roar. Well, the females are behind them waiting for them to turn and run right, right into their path. So the, the females are just sitting back there waiting for the herd to turn and run toward them. So 
So you can see the deception here, how the, the male lion has this terrible roar, mm -hmm. but he didn't really do any, anything toward catching or attacking the, the herd. He, the, the herd ran away from the roar, and they should have run toward the roar. If they had run toward the roar, they wouldn't have run into the path of the females who devoured them. And so uh, the danger's running toward the war, the roar, not away from it. And uh, if they had run toward the roar, the, the male lion would have been too slow to catch them. So they would have been much safer to run toward the roar instead of away from it. So it's easy for the devil to devour Christians that don't believe he exists, you know, they're not going to resist him. Christians are not going to resist him if they don't even believe that he exists. Uh, they're going to believe, unfortunately, most of the time they believe that, that God's allowing this to happen in order to teach them something and I just need to be humble and, and yield to the will of God. Uh, they don't you know, and, and they give place to the devil through ignorance and through a lack of knowledge. And, and instead of resisting the devil and standing up and taking authority over him, they somehow see this as the will of God and, and the plan of God for their life, that God's trying to teach them some spiritual lesson by being attacked, uh, you know, by the devil in, in some way, or, or their children, or their finances, or their health in some way. And this is one of the ways Satan deceives people when they don't even believe he exists, or they just uh, lack knowledge of the word. You know, Hosea 4, 6 says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And the, this gives the devil great advantage over many Christians because uh, they're open to his devices and the way he operates. Um, uh, so we're believing for other Christians to wake up out of their slumber and get a revelation from the Word of God about who they are and that we're to submit ourselves to God, we're to, to be steadfast, we're to resist the devil, and he will flee from us. When we stand up against the devil in the name of Jesus, uh, the devil doesn't rise up and roar like a, like a lion. He runs away in terror. He runs away from us. Let's say this together. When I resist him, he runs from me. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we've been talking about having authority over devils and demons. Uh, and when people don't believe uh, that that devils and demons and evil spirits exist, they have to throw away entire portions of the Bible because the Bible talks about unclean spirits, seducing or deceptive spirits. It talks about dumb spirits, deaf spirits, spirits of uh, infirmity, spirit of divination. Spirit of divination would include palm readers and fortune tellers. Psychics, familiar spirits, these all come under this, this uh, spirit of divination. It's an evil spirit.
lying spirits. So the Bible refers to, to all of these. Uh, it does not specifically mention all of them by name. Uh, we know uh, there are religious spirits and poverty spirits. And, and the Bible doesn't specifically um, call those out by name, but, but we see references to them in the Bible. So there are unseen influences operating through people or groups of people. Unseen influences. And whatever spirit or spirits people yield to, they take on these characteristics. People that yield to a lying spirit, they've taken on that characteristic. Uh, you know, people that have a poverty spirit, they've taken on that uh, spirit, you know. Maybe, not, not consciously maybe, it's not necessarily conscious, but uh, they, they've taken it on. Same with poverty spirits, religious spirits. There are people who are habitual liars, you know, and they've yielded to these spirits. In Acts 16, you know, we have the story of the girl with the spirit of divination. And this group of men took her from town to town and uh, they would use her to make money by telling people's fortunes and so forth. And uh, they, they took this girl and they started following Paul and his uh, uh, assistants. And they followed him around from town to town. And they, they, uh, this demon in the girl said, these men are uh, men of the Most High God, you know, declaring, declaring the, the way of salvation. Well, that's a, that was a true statement. They were men of God and they were showing the way to salvation. But who wants a demon spirit following you around every day uh, advertising for you, you know? And no, uh, so Paul recognized this was a demon spirit operating in this girl. And it says she had done this for many days. They had done this for many days. But one day Paul turned around and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And guess what happened? It came out immediately. And it's interesting, to, it's interesting to note that, that Paul let this go on a few days. He didn't cast out this demon the first day or the second day. He let it go on for a few days because he probably knew as soon as he cast this demon out, it's going to cause a commotion and they're all going to jail. And that's exactly what happened. So he wanted to be able to preach and reach more people, well, you know, his humanity as well. a, a few days yes. longer. Yes. So he, so he, um, he let saying. it go on a few days, but as soon as he cast yeah. that demon out of that girl, they did get thrown into jail. They did yeah. get thrown into jail. Yeah. So um, that's just a, an example of, of this girl who uh, had been over, uh, possessed by this spirit, or yielded to this spirit of divination. So there are unseen influences that are, uh, you know, it's, it's obvious. We, we turn on the news. 
uh, and you can see people and entire nations who have yielded to unseen forces and unseen influences. Hitler, uh, it's even obvious to most unbelievers that he was influenced by unseen evil forces. And we, we still see leaders around the world today who, have, who are under the influence of these unseen uh, forces. Uh, these unseen forces influenced uh, Hitler, uh, who was able to influence millions of people to follow him. And they didn't see anything wrong with it at the time. Uh, many of those who followed him were Christians and church leaders. I think it probably at least half uh, were Christians and church leaders who, who followed him. But, but they came under the influence of these uh, unseen forces. Uh, as a matter of fact, many churches in Germany were already preaching anti-Jewish sermons long before Hitler came to power. And by the time he came to power, he just picked up uh, the anti-Jewish hatred that was already being spread around and was prevalent through many churches. He just picked it up and ran with it. it, it really, in a way, it really wasn't something new that he instigated there was already this sentiment in the nation, this anti-Jewish sentiment in the nation, and it was prevalent in many churches and church leaders, and he just picked it up and, and ran with it. So it's possible that Christians and church leaders can yield to the wrong spirits. Today, we, we still see unseen influences uh, out in the world, and unfortunately, some of them are creeping into the church, finding their way into many churches. And the sad thing is, people don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, just like there are unseen forces that influence people for destruction, there are also unseen forces for good. Uh, what would draw tens of thousands of people to a football stadium to listen to an ordinary common man like Billy Graham. Unseen influences, yes. the people yielding to the Holy Spirit, drawing them. Uh, the Holy Spirit drawing people and people yielding to the Holy Spirit. So just like people can be influenced by evil spirits, people are, are influenced and can yield to the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, uh, I believe the Spirit of God is dealing with many other Christians to come to these meetings. And they just haven't yielded yet. They just haven't yielded yet. And that's why we continue to pray, you know. Uh, the devil doesn't want them to find out about their authority over him. He doesn't want to lose control over their lives. He doesn't want them to find out about the blessed, victorious life and, the, and plan that God has for them. So uh, there's a little imp that sits on their shoulder and whispers in their ear, you know, you, you, you don't need to go to that, you, you know, uh, you should go to town today, go shopping, you know, reward yourself, you've worked hard, you need to, you need to go out and have fun today, you know. So. Uh, 
So we, that's why we continue to, to pray for people. One of the most important things we need to learn is what to yield to and what to resist. There are people yielding to sickness, believing that it's somehow a blessing in disguise and that God gets glory from them being sick. And there are whole portions of the Christian world who, who believes that in some form or fashion when they should be resisting it, not yielding to it and not using it as, as a, a, you know, a, some kind of explanation that, that God's uh, trying to teach them something. They're, they're, they need to resist these things, but, but they've been taught wrong in many instances. On the other hand, you have people who are resisting, <laughs> resisting the baptism in the Holy Spirit and resisting the prosperity message when they should be yielding to it. So we have people resisting the wrong thing and, and, and yielding to the wrong thing. Uh, so that's why we, we have to, we, we, without the word, we wouldn't know. That's why we, we have to uh, be hearers and doers of the word because we don't want we, we don't want to be ignorant of Satan's devices. We don't want to give him opportunity. We don't want to give him a foothold. 1 Peter 4.1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Uh, there are some ministries, churches now, who are subtly weaving New Age religion into Christianity. These uh, woke uh, doctrines now are being introduced into Christianity, and people don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, this is part of the uh, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Uh, there's, there's no reason why we should be afraid of the devil. He, he's actually afraid of us. And he doesn't want us to find out uh, about these things. He doesn't want us to find out that we have authority over him. Uh, we're, we're not going to let him uh, set up camp in our life anymore. We're going to stop his operation and his activity uh, wherever we have the jurisdiction. Uh, in Mark 5, verse 1, we have the story of the man, madman of Gadara, the demon-possessed man of Gadara. He lived in the graveyard and in the, among the tombs, and it says he had an unclean spirit. And when they tried to restrain him with chains, he would break these chains. Uh, the story sounds as if he never slept, actually. Yeah. And he would cut himself with rocks. Self-mutilation. That's what the medical world today calls that, self-mutilation. And uh, self-inflicted harm. And today it's classified as a mental disorder. So what would cause someone to cut themselves and to to inflict harm on themselves. It would be unseen forces uh, 
operating uh, on these people, yeah. causing them to, to injure themselves. Yeah. Uh, when he Jesus cast out the demon, which, which was influencing this man, uh, he came back to his normal mind. He came back to his right mind, and, and his mental faculties were made whole. The, the, uh, the spiritual component was affecting the mental component. And the same is true in other areas. Satan keeps coming to people with suggestions, and uh, if, if they don't realize what's happening, and if they're, they're not believers, and they, they don't have authority over Satan, and in many cases, they just wind up yielding to these uh, unseen forces because, you know, they don't understand. And even Christians who don't know their authority, uh, they can end up yielding to these unseen influences if they don't know uh, that they have authority over them in the name of Jesus and how to resist the devil uh, and not yield to him. Um, you know, Satan will give suggestions to people about cheating and, and lying. And many people think these thoughts are just their thoughts, but they're not their thoughts. They're coming from unseen influences. And any child of God has the power and the authority to resist that. We can say, no, in the name of Jesus, shut up and get out of here. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about 2 Corinthians 10, about casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the word of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And that's something that uh, we have the authority to do and we have to be taught how to do it. But you can see what a terrible position unbelievers are in when they come under the influence of these uh, forces and they have no power over it. They wind up yielding to them. Uh, what about thoughts and feelings from God? Peace, love, joy. That's what we want to yield to. Those are the, those are the uh, forces we want to, to yield to. Those are the forces of the recreated spirit that we want to yield to. When you want to feel sorry for yourself, start praising God. Yield to the Holy Spirit and strength will come to you. Amen? Yes. Amen? So we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. We're going to start praising God and, and strength will come into us. Amen? Uh, you know, the Bible says, give no place to the devil. Well, I can assure you, the moment you start feeling sorry for yourself, you're giving place to the devil. And I mean, he will move in and he will move in quickly to your pity party. Uh, John 13, John chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So was Judas influenced by the devil? Yes. Yes, yes he was. 
Now, uh, some people might say, well, you know, somebody had to betray Jesus, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Judas's fault. Well, uh, yeah, he did have a choice. Judas did have yeah. a choice. Yeah. Amen. He did yeah. have a choice. Uh, others have implied that uh, Je Jesus and Judas had this understanding between them where Jesus understood Judas was going to betray him. Uh, he approved it, even felt sorry for him because Judas had no choice about it. No, Jud Judas had, we all have a free will. And he did not have to yield to the devil. And if he had not betrayed Jesus, I guarantee you Jesus would have gone to the cross anyway, somehow, some way, uh, because that was God's plan that Jesus go to the cross, uh, whether Judas uh, betrayed him or not. I can assure you the plan of God would still have gone into motion. But Judas did not have to yield to the devil. Uh, Acts 1 says, Judas by transgression fell. Judas by transgression fell. So Judas did not have to betray Jesus. Nobody ever has to yield to the devil. It's a choice. Uh, now, we all know Judas may not have been the first person or the only person the devil approached about betraying Jesus. He, he may not have been the only one. Uh, the devil could have approached other people prior to Judas to betray Jesus. And they all, if he did, they all resisted him and said, no, get behind me, Satan. If he, if he did approach other people, they resisted him and they said, no, I'm not doing it. But Judas is the one who yielded to him. Uh, so, we're talking about unseen influences. How did this happen? How could, how could Judas have done that? He was personally handpicked by Jesus himself. He was with Jesus every day for three years. He was treasurer of Jesus's ministry. He was trusted by Jesus to handle all the money. So it's not like Judas was hanging around with the wrong crowd uh, who were having a negative influence on him. He was in the presence of Jesus every day. He personally witnessed people being freed from demon spirits and be put in their right mind. People who had been blind all their life could now see. People who had never walked before could walk. He saw the dead raised. He saw a little boy's picnic lunch feed 20,000 people. He was hearing sermons that nobody in his lifetime had ever heard before. But somewhere along the line, apparently he got offended or upset about something uh, that maybe Jesus said or did, or he thought Jesus shouldn't have done it that way. Uh, and it turned him sour. It turned him uh, against Jesus in some way. We already know that he was stealing money from the ministry. Uh, so he then approached the chief priest and the elders and asked them for a payment of money 
in return for handing Jesus over to them. So uh, he wanted the money. He had a thing for money. Um, and we know he used it to buy some land where he later went and hung himself. But something kept, something must have been niggling at him. Uh, you know, these thoughts, uh, suggestions, Satan was introducing thoughts or suggestions to him that you haven't been treated right. You know, uh, your, your talents and gifts are, are, are not being appreciated. And uh, Jesus just doesn't appreciate all the work that you do, and uh, you don't get paid enough either, you know. And uh, they don't recognize your talent and ability, and this is just a dead-end job. You've got no, no chance for promotion here. You need to think, you need to take care of yourself, and you need to think, look after yourself and think about your own future. Um, these kinds of thoughts, suggestions about uh, these terrible Romans. Why doesn't Jesus just stand up to them? Why, why does Jesus put up with these Romans oppressing our people? Why, why didn't he do something? Um, you know, all, all we do is travel. And, and uh, you know, we're not at home. We're away from our families all the time. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just, you know, living out of a suitcase all the time. And, and we're, I'm tired of traveling. All these thoughts and suggestions from the devil had probably been going over and over in his mind for weeks or months. And at the last supper, he's sitting there with a smile on his face as if nothing is wrong. When Jesus gave him the piece of bread, Satan entered into him, the Bible says. So is it possible that even good people and good Christians can yield to wrong thoughts, wrong feelings, and wrong influences. Yeah. Yeah, it is. In order to protect yourself from these wrong influences, never, ever, ever feel sorry for yourself. Amen? <laughs> never, ever, ever feel sorry for yourself. It gives, it gives the devil, the devil... Well, just move in. Like Gloria Copeland said, if you invite the devil to dinner, he'll bring his pajamas. He'll want to spend the night, and it's hard to get rid of him once you let him in the door. So we don't ever, ever feel sorry for ourselves. Could Judas have resisted those thoughts and feelings? Yeah. Yes, he could have. If he had resisted the devil, if he had said, Satan, get behind me, what would have happened? The devil would have had to flee from him just like he fled from Jesus. Yes. Amen. The devil yes. would have had to run. So let's say this together. I yield to the Spirit of God. I yield, I yield to the Spirit of God. The laws of abundance. The laws of abundance. Divine health. Divine health. And my right standing with you. My right standing with you. You have authorized me. You have me. To stand up against, to stand up against the devil and his works, and they will run away. Father, thank you for teaching me. 
Thank you for teaching me how to live in authority and power. Right now. Right now. Jesus is my example. Jesus is my example. He said I would do the works he did. He said I would do the works he did. And greater works. And greater works. Help me to recognize anything. That kills, steals, and destroys. As being the work of the devil. And I will give him no place. You have not left me powerless. Where the devil is concerned. I will speak with boldness and authority. And believe what I command by faith. Will be done. I will not tolerate the devil. Setting up camp in my life. My family. My job. My body. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. And their ears be unstopped and eyes, the veil taken off as they watched.